Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 96 of the MTB podcast presented and hosted by Worldwide Cyclery. I am Jeff. I'm Jared. And I'm Liam. And today we are going to talk about various cool mountain bike things. I think I think we have some good co- good topics today. What do you guys think? Excellent topics. Uh, our recent trip to Mammoth, Mammoth Mountain in uh, Central California, the Sierra Nevadas. Mm. I mean, the Sierra Nevadas, Sierra. Eastern Sierras. Mm. But is I'd, that I consider NorCal? NorCal? Mm. Yeah. Well, Mammoth. Yeah, it's rad. It's in the Sierra Nevadas. Yeah. Uh, the new Maxis tire. That's yep. exciting. O-Chain, which we talked about briefly on the last podcast, and we just recently made a YouTube short, which is a short-form video on YouTube, if you didn't know. Did you make that a reel yet for Instagram? We are posting this one to YouTube first. Oh. YouTube is getting an exclusive Whoa. look on this one. Exclusive look yeah. on short-form videos. Yep, yep. Uh, O-Chain, anyways, we talked about it last time. It is confusing everyone, and there's some hilarious comments that we're going to read to you <laughs> to explain how it's confusing people. Yeah. And we're also going to do a quick rundown on the trending mountain bike products of the last 30-90 days since we skipped our normal trending mountain bike products monthly video in June, and we plan to skip it in July as well because we're just doing other things, but we'll get back on it in August. And maybe August. Maybe. Because we <laughs> we're going to be gone. Because we're going to go to the August, Breck Epic. Yeah. Um, the Breck Epic mountain bike race. You're yeah. racing it, Liam. Are you ready? Um, Liam's ready. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to be fine. What yeah. is it? It's five days of racing? Straight? Six days of racing. Uh, each day varies from like 35 to 45 miles with like 3,500 to I think like 5,500, maybe like a 6,500 foot day. Mm. And it, Brackenridge sits at 9,000 feet elevation, so uh, me being a beach boy, it's going to hurt. Yeah, that's a lot of racing, but uh, Jared and I are going to be there documenting it as newscasters and making a YouTube video out of it. Hopefully, it will turn out funny or maybe terrible. Who knows? I mean, even if it is terrible, it'll be funny. <laughs> we'll enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, we will enjoy it. Our moms will love it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it Hi, should be good. And then, of course, we're going to get into uh, all sorts of various listener questions, as always, to bring you mountain bike knowledge and simultaneously <laughs> laughter. Um, speaking of laughter, maybe you will laugh at this sound effect we're going to play, which is going to be me making dirt bike noises with this high quality kazoo that my mom got me for Christmas about 15 years ago. Amazing. Was it pretty good? Yeah. All right. It was fantastic. Cool. Kazoos, man. We should talk about the April 1st prank that we did in 2019, one of these podcasts. We should. Yeah, we should definitely talk about that. It has a lot to do with kazoos. Well, that's for next episode. Let's talk about our company trip to Mammoth. Did you write two-thirds company trip? Yeah, because it's two-thirds of our we offices. Should, we I should. thought you did that. <laughs> no, that was funny. So so we, we have a store in Southern California, uh, one in Reno, Nevada, and one in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And uh, our, basically our stores in California and Nevada meet mostly halfway. It's close to halfway, three hours from Reno, five hours from Mm -hmm. Newbury. And yeah, we did this last year. It was a ton of fun. All of us met there and rode bikes for the whole weekend and camped and swam in lakes and had some nice adult beverages and a lot of LaCroix. I drank several LaCroix. It's really hard to stay hydrated at 
What, yeah. is, what is man with that? 7,000 Seven, feet or yeah. something? Something like Seven that. Seven base. Yeah. The base, yeah. You got to drink a lot of water yeah. if you're riding bikes all day. You do. Um, yeah, we just did it. It was amazing. It was a ton of fun. Mammoth is incredible. I really enjoy Mammoth because I just think the resort has incredible riding and all the like surrounding local trail bikey trails are really fun. It's kitty litter. That's what people call the dirt there. Yeah, very it's loose. very loose and sandy. Do you like it? I love Mammoth. Um, yeah, you yeah, like the dirt? I do. It takes you a little it's, while it's polarizing. to get used to it, but like once you're used to it, I mean, it's super fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What do you, you like it, Liam? Um, this was the most fun I've ever had riding it. Uh, I'm not going to lie in the past. I haven't really loved it. Um, you rode a very different bike this time. I was on a different bike this time. Uh, and I just think I knew going there that it was going to be loose, picked the right tires. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I just I love Mammoth and the Sierra Nevadas in yeah, general. Same. Like I I love the area and stuff, so I'm just stoked to be there. Um, but yeah, no, I had a blast riding this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dirt is kind of polarizing because some people are kind of used to riding sandy dirt like that. Other people are totally not. So it's just a lot. You know, it could be hard to get used to it. Speaking of you riding a different bike, there, I thought that was pretty funny. How many? So you rode the Forestall. Which one did you ride? The Sirion. The Sirion. 170, yeah. 170 Sirion. And travel. everyone, including the various people that took your bike off of the lift, were like, whoa, what is this? Yeah. What is that? <laughs> they were all bewildered by this never seen screen one. in yeah. the top tube and had never seen a bike that nice with a name on it they hadn't recognized. And it was cool. That yeah. that bike was a bit of a highlight, that trip, and a lot of people were really interested. Yeah, it definitely is uh, polarizing. If you know what you're looking at, you're like, well, I've never seen that before. Is it an e-bike? Is it not an e-bike? Because it doesn't really look like one. There's a screen in the top tube that looks like an Android. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and it happens to be coral pink. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's different. Yeah. It's very unique. It's, yeah, it's cool. that bike is cool. I wonder when e-bikes are going to get classified into... I don't, what are we going to call them? Short distance, I, long distance, heavy, light. I mean, I think weight uh, makes the most sense because yeah, as they as the battery technology, even like full and the motor size, half size might be a good way to yeah, to power them. full power. We'll, we'll see what power is going to change though. Oh, that's true. Yeah, They're going to more power, increase, right? Like battery size, I guess. Right? I mean, but, yeah, but I think that'll change too with efficiency, yeah. right? So yeah. Right now, a certain watt battery that's is going to get you a twenty mile ride, and in the future, it's going to get you a forty mile ride. Yeah. So. I don't know. I think it comes down to weight, right? Because that yeah. the Forestall, the one you're riding, which I rode to um, recently, is forty pounds. Forty pounds stock. Once I put like downhill casing tires on it, and you know, a few other bits and pieces, I think it's about forty three pounds. But that's like ready to ride, like yeah, proper um, tires and everything. So bottle yeah. cages, type pedals, everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that thing's um, light, and it feels really fun and impressive to ride. But yeah, I, yeah, that made a big difference for you riding there. It did, and I think that's why I had more fun. Was I actually love the weight of that bike? Yeah, yeah, um, forty pounds at planted. a rough ski resort with sandy ish terrain is pretty yeah. amazing. And the weight's in the right spot, so your wheels and tires are still light, but the weight's like perfectly centered. Yeah, um, it helps me being light hold some traction and. I've seen this year, especially it's always kind of been happening, but this year I feel like more downhill world cup racers are putting lead on the bottom of their bikes to add weight. Wow. Um, mm -hmm. seems like anyone around that 60, 165 pound range or under is bolting lead weights to the bottom of their bike really? so, or taping. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. The amount of weird little things that always happen in the racing scene, it just shows you that it's never fully figured out. No, yeah. you know, it's like I, make I the like bikes lighter and then they're making them heavier. I guess yeah. if you put up the weight low, I mean, that's, that definitely helps. Like when I rode that bike is, mm -hmm. is huge. 
but also like at Mammoth, you know, you got these sections where you're traversing like half the mountain. This is a huge mountain, right? Mm-hmm. And just to get to the trails you want to ride, I mean, you're doing a good amount of pedaling. And like, I was on my downhill bike and you guys on the e-bikes. I'm like, you're gone. Yeah. Like, wow. All right. I see the advantage there. Yeah. Even, even those switchbacky, the blue square trails, which, um, you're yeah. Blue square. It's a blue square. <laughs> The, blue the blue entire <laughs> concept of green circle, blue square, black diamond, double black diamond, red diamond is so confusing. I know. Well, it and comes from the ski world, right? I mean. It's exactly where it comes from. Yeah. Um, but in other countries, they have grades. New Zealand, Australia, oh, right. they use grade one through five. And it's and there's a website that defines the difference. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I was just impressed. That's a little more scientific. It's a little bit more scientific. Yeah, hardly. But <laughs> but those guys, so where I was getting to, the blue square trails, which were, had switchbacks on them, not very steep. Those awkward stall, slowy switchbacks, the way you could pedal and just push right out. I was on an e-bike yeah. and I was like, yeah. you're not on e-bike. You're like, oh, it's uh, this is a pain in my arse right now. But anyways, Marath was cool. If you haven't ridden there, we'd highly recommend it. It's an amazing, uh, an amazing bike park and just great area to camp or, I mean, there's plenty of resort, you know, yeah, hotels and lodging. Yeah. Too, so yeah. It's, and the it's village is cool. There's tons of lakes. It's called Mammoth Lakes because there's like, what, six lakes? A ton of lakes. There? I mean, lakes. even just yeah, like yeah. they can drive to, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A bunch of lakes in the backcountry and stuff. If you're yep. backpacking and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. So we recommend going there if you haven't been there yet. Yeah. Now, speaking of train and dirt, mm. tires. Never get tired of this. Never get tired of it. I knew, oh. I knew a tire pun was coming. <laughs> Uh, I just knew it. Uh, <laughs> Maxis released a new tire at Eurobike. Eurobike happened. Yeah. Um, man, maybe we should cover some interesting things that happened there, but none of us went there, so we didn't get to see it in person, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Nothing nothing shocking came out of it that I saw, but I, it was cool to see Maxis, which is a, a big dog in the tire space, obviously, for the mountain bike world, came out with a new tire called the Forecaster. Well, technically, it's updated a re- tire, it's updated but it forecaster. looks nothing like the old one. Yeah. Uh, it's Barely. like a recon and a forecaster had a baby. And the dissector and the, was also in there. I guess so, that. right? Yeah. And an acid guy. <laughs> the dissector was guy. also like, hey, let me in there. There's a big old thing going on. They all made it and had yeah. this tire. Yeah, the forecaster, um, we've kind of been told about this for a while, but with current you know, supply chain and blah, 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 that you've heard too much about, um, it took a while to come out, but now it's here, um, and it looks really good. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. We so, just got a couple samples. Yeah, right? kind of kind of slots right between uh, what I think it kind of blends like maybe the recon and an Asagai in mm-hmm. the middle for a perfect like trail tire. I mean, they call it down country, but like, let's be honest, this is just a trail bike tire. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looks like it'd be great on a trail bike. I mean. Mm-hmm. It looks really good. I mean, we... You know, we talk about it all the time. We made that one video, which has been kind of a holy grail for a lot of our customers and friends and everyone else. It's the Maxxis tire combos that we like, and we put it on that graph of, you know, lightweight, fast rolling all the way to the other end, which is kind of heavy, slow rolling, maximum traction. And this forecaster is, I don't know, kind of in between a dissector and a DHF slash DHR. Yeah, because it's not super light, right? Well, it's the same I, weight as a dissector. I'd say the dissector is light. very it's lighter than a DHR two and lighter than, than a DHS. Dissector. No, it's no, the by same. like eight grams. Okay, which is, yeah. doesn't count because there's, okay. there's about a twenty gram plus or minus on tire weights because right. they're never perfect. Um, I'd say it slots as a sidestep to the dissector with more transition knob. I'd say it's more than the recon, 
but not quite into minion or Asagai territory. Yeah, yeah. But do you think it'll have more traction than a Dissector just by looking at it and in, holding it in your hand? In certain situations, yeah. But I in do. other situations, no? But the knobs are taller on a Dissector, right? Mm, by a little bit? Maybe a touch. Um, dissector would be a better braking tire. It's more of like mm. a, a row of knobs where this is a, a alternating yeah, pattern. It might roll faster, though. Um, this one might roll a little faster. It's going to have more traction especially up front i think um on lucifer hard because you have that transition knob you're not going to have that drift to catch like the dissector has yeah um well we got to ride it yeah we got to yeah. ride it we don't know i have yeah. two samples here and they're going to get installed this week so yeah i'm excited to test that thing out it looks good it looks definitely like a tire that i'm into because i ride trail bikes a lot and yeah. that looks like it, a really it's good trail bike tire perfect front and rear for you you'll probably run it front with a recon rear or something like that yeah because right now i have a dissector front and recon rear yep. on my light trail bike and I'm, uh i like that but yeah you could probably run it front and rear right i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna long. do that yeah. for testing and nice. just see right Nice. Um, yeah, Maxis <clears throat> claims it to be a Goldilocks of oh. kind of tire range. Um, currently on Maxis's website, they only have one skew, and it's twenty nine by two point four, uh, sixty TPI casing, dual compound EXO casing, nine hundred forty five grams. I would love to see this in an EXO plus casing. Mm. Oh, they'll do it eventually. Yeah. If it's but, popular, it'll do it. Yeah, and a 3C compound. Yeah. Um, I think that would make this tire really awesome. So, yeah. Yep. Pretty sweet. Well, cool. Forecaster with a K. F-O-R-E-K-A-S-T-R. Forecaster. Kind of like Recon with a K. Yep. <laughs> cool. They like to do that. <laughs> cool. Cool, dude. Cool, dude. Um, <laughs> well... Let's let's now jump over to O-Chain. So O-Chain, we talked about this brand uh, last time on the podcast. They have made a essentially a spider, I guess you could call it. So it mounts to your crank, then your chain ring mounts to that. And what it does is it adds play in between that chain ring. The idea here, um, I mean, you can add to this if you want, Liam, but the idea is that, so suspension designs in... More importantly, longer travel suspension yep. designs, this is where it becomes more apparent, will have some level of pedal kickback, whereas the suspension cycles through, it'll want to pull backwards on the chain and like pull your feet backwards. Uh, that will make your suspension not work as good as if you had the bike with no chain, right? No chain, O chain. I think maybe they were going somewhere. Oh. Like, I think maybe that's where they were going with it. I, I just can't put it speak together. for them, but... Uh, but anyway, so it, so it adds a, a little bit of play there. And this is the exact kind of thing that a high pivot is trying to solve. Uh, the same kind of concept, right? Is this sort of this chain growth pedal kickback issue, make your suspension work better. What? Will it be a high pivot with an idler? Yeah. 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 yeah so you have to have an idler. an idler. Yeah. Because if you yeah. don't, this is the reason Good why an, yeah, an idle, a high pivot design in the past hasn't worked. Is it? does create way too much pedal kickback and feedback in your yeah, feet. Yeah, yeah, you got to have the idler yeah. on there. Yeah. So, so O-Chain. So anyways, uh, Jared slaps together the the YouTube short, the short form video on YouTube. Uh, and, it, and it kind of shows this, uh, kind of how the O-Chain works. And there's there's some hilarious comments yeah. of people are, people are just very confused on why on earth you would buy a high engagement hub and then ruin the whole thing with an O-Chain. And and 
Do you have the comments pulled up? Yeah. See if, okay, you got any uh, well, funny the top ones comment is the perfect compliment to your ultra high engagement hub. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this guy says, I thought the point was to increase engagement, not decrease. Am I missing something? Yes. Um, well, yeah, basically, I mean, the O chain like allows more or eliminates kettle, pedal kickback in the way that you can increase the degrees of engagement or re- I guess reduce the degrees. So like degrees, so you can have your bike go through the travel without the i guess it would essentially do the same thing as a low engagement hub would it not well that's basically but that's what i'd love to test i looked into this a little bit and it sounds like the main difference is that you could be riding hypothetically and your hub could be in between engagement points so like Mm -hmm. your hub could engage the next pawl or ratchet whatever Mm. whereas the o chain would eliminate that factor that kind of makes sense yeah Okay. So well. you could go through your whole travel if you like, you know how you can basically swap out the elastomers to increase or reduce the engagement of the O-chain. So if you make it like maxed out, you can have your bike go through like the majority of its travel without engaging the hub at all. Yeah. Essentially so. eliminating any pedal kickback that right. it would be from your hub engaging. Right. So therefore making it feel like your bike is chainless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they were inspired by Nico Mullally's fourth place World Champs run and Aaron Gwynn's famous winning run from Leo Gang. Yeah, um, which were two World Cup downhill racers that snapped well, so Nico snapped his chain right out of the gate, and so did and so, so did, did Aaron. Gwynn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, a lot of people know that yeah. it's it's no secret. I mean, it, honestly, almost any bike, the more travel it has, the more apparent this is. Go to your most known downhill run and take your chain off. And yeah. give it a try, and you'll realize, oh wow, it feels good. It feels different. Like my my, the way your cranks move and your suspension moves is very different with no chain, and that's kind of the concept of this thing. So it is hard to wrap your head around. It is very deep in the weeds of bike nerd stuff, um, and we we've learned this with the yeah <laughs> the YouTube uh, short and people just being totally yeah. bewildered. Um, yeah, it's 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 kind of a confusing product, but. A lot of professional EWS riders are using this thing. There's there's a lot of you know professionals in this segment that are trying this out and utilizing it. So there's some merit to this concept and this design, albeit for a small segment of riders looking yeah. for a specific type of attribute for their bike to perform. Yeah. I guess you could say. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's pretty much creates you a more supple rear end off the top, um, having mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that on there. But I mean. Yeah, like you said, professionals, the Atherton team's running it, YT team, um, Scott, Canyon, they're all running it. So yeah. um, Nico yeah. Nico essentially designed his latest model bike around it. Yeah. Because yeah. he could run it. He could make the idler slightly higher but not run an idler, or the pivot slightly higher and not run an idler above that. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And also yeah. there's a ton of, I looked at the O-Chain website and there's a ton of research and, you know, graphs and everything, like a ton of information based yeah. on like, you know, the effects of the product to like on, installed on different bikes and like your average That's downhill cool. bike, you know. Um, yeah, it's not a simple product. No. I mean, the actual physical product is a pretty impressive feat yeah. of engineering. So it's, no one's going to do that no. unless yeah. there's some merit behind totally. why you would do that and the use case for it. Yeah. And they're basically saying like, depending on the track you're riding like you can swap out those elastomers and you'll notice more of a difference like a super technical downhill track like you'll yep. if you you know make it so there's more play then it'll feel even better so mm-hmm. yeah it's pretty wild 
Yeah, that is. So there's a lot to it. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there. And yeah, it, it does take you getting a little bit nerdy and deep in the weeds of mountain bike suspension stuff to understand why that product even exists. Uh, especially, yeah, given the whole high engagement hub thing. Which this is an interesting... Uh, transition transition oh. to the trending mountain bike products and the first product we were going to mention, <laughs> which has been mentioned several times in our various. Uh, so we we typically do a monthly YouTube video of trending mountain bike products for the month, um, and this product in particular has been in there so many times. It's the DT Swiss Star Ratchet Kit that has fifty four teeth, fifty four points of engagement, I guess, and uh, yeah, that product has been a top-selling product for, man, years. years. Literally years. multiple yeah. years, which which is which is wild. So a lot of bikes come with DT Swiss hubs that have the 18-tooth engagement driver in them or ratchet kit in them, uh, 18 points of engagement over the, you know, the whole range. And then you can upgrade for 120 bucks or something like that to the 54-tooth one, and it it gives you 54 points of engagement rather than 18, which makes a huge difference when you're in technical climbing, you need to kind of backpedal for a second, or when you get on the cranks out of a corner, um, it just makes the engagement higher for a, you know, it's a way you can upgrade your hub to a higher engagement, which usually isn't possible with any hub, but the way that yep. switch ratchet kit system works, it is. So, yeah, that's pretty funny. Because uh, <laughs> I... Because, yeah, even this whole Octane thing. Because I remember even Nico telling me when he was riding DT Swiss wheels, uh, when he was riding on the Scott factory downhill race team, he was specifically putting in the 18-tooth ones to reduce the engagement to have the same effect that this O-Chain thing is causing. And this is five years ago. Uh, yeah, it because it just boils down to now I see why right? people I mean, are so confused. <laughs> some people want more engagement and some people don't. Well, on a like, trail bike, this makes a, lot, a ton of sense. Yeah, you know? like you're totally. Not, you're not super concerned on, and it's not as much of a noticeable difference of your the way your suspension reacts when you have 115 mils of travel right. you know, or even 130. Yeah, like a so, cross-country or trail bike, you know, you're not going to put O-chain on that, right? No. I mean. Yeah, that wouldn't make as much sense. No. You wouldn't get the benefits. Whereas a high engagement hub actually you know is noticeable there's just less dead space when you go to pedal yeah. we made a video about it oh which is you did you know that yeah yeah <laughs> years ago uh, i look hilarious in it because i uh because it's just i don't know i feel like i look hilarious whenever you look at your own self years ago you're like oh i look ridiculous you know yeah. but i think everyone does that yeah. you still kind of do though yeah, yeah, you're, <laughs> valid point <laughs> valid point but yeah, that it's still a top selling product, which yeah. is amazing. And it's a great so, upgrade for a for a DT Swiss hub. I mean, especially if you you know have a trail bike and you want better engagement. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. So aside from that, we have the Fox Thirty Eight, which has been a top selling fork for a, quite a long yeah. time now. Yeah. Uh, in particular, the one hundred and seventy mil travel one for twenty nine inch wheeled bikes. Great uh, fork. Yeah, it is a good fork. Yeah, good that fork. that fork is phenomenal. I remember when I first rode that, I was just like, "Wow, this is really good. This feels like a downhill fork." Yeah, um, but it's lighter, and yeah, it was amazing. I was super impressed with it. It's got bleed valves. Bleed valves. Yeah, it's <laughs> oh, got it's yeah. got it's got bleed valves. There's a, a big bleed valve guy. Big bleed valve guy. <laughs> There's at the moment, well, this will probably, this podcast will probably go live a few days after this Instagram story goes live where yeah. uh, I'm kind of making fun of bleed valves at the top of Mammoth Mountain, which is 11,000 feet because there was the bleed valve thing about the equalization for elevation and then the pressure buildup. It wasn't elevated. It's just, anyway. I guess, it, yeah, more so pressure buildup. I don't know, but I was making fun of it. Might be able to still catch it on the Mammoth. YouTube stories because those last long Occasionally, days. I like to make fun of, 
uh, you know, these negligible quote unquote upgrades that each new product comes out with. Which is a fair game. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just because they the bike do still make you know? a difference, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, so it does have the Fox 38 does have bleed valves. Uh, <laughs> GX Eagle Access Kit. Oh yeah. So big fan. Yeah, you like that, huh? You like that a lot too. Yeah, huh? we both have them. Yeah, it's awesome. Yep. Yeah that that put wireless electronic SRAM drivetrains in a totally different price point, and people loved that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is good. I, I was imp- I was shocked at that retail price point that those came in at. I was thinking yeah. SRAM could have asked for more dollars than that. Um, but yeah, people love them. So, and you can get the upgrade kit, which has the controller, aka shifter, mm-hmm. derailleur. What else does it have? Uh, battery, battery, charger, multi-tool. Multi-tool. Kind of the necessary things. Yeah. Toaster with the QR code to download If you the have app. an existing EX, or e- EX, if you have an existing Eagle drivetrain of any kind, for the most part, you can just buy this upgrade yep. kit for GX Eagle Access, mm. AXS, uh, which just means it's electronic. That's a confusing name, AXS. How yeah. does that have anything They're, to do with electronic drivetrains? Because uh, it's... I have no idea. Accessible. <laughs> to less people. <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I don't know man um but they do without they just you remove the vowels and that's the cool thing like the like the explore oh yeah they did that and, yeah uh, the, you know rock shock explore yeah explore. Like, like the canyon collective <laughs> have, have, haven't you seen uh wheel but, fortune valves cost money the what wheel of fortune oh yeah they valves do cost money you're right valves so it's cheaper money, to have yeah. less valves it's cheaper to have less valves yeah. yeah i thought you said valves and i was like valves i thought yeah, you said valves. valves too uh, valves now i'm thinking about tubeless valves Uh oh um <laughs> okay <laughs> moving on <laughs> to the next product the yeti 160e wow so yeti cycles i mean they've always been making super high-end premium mountain bikes but they have their first e-bike which we made a video on uh i got to go out to colorado and ride that thing which was awesome it was a really cool experience but yeah their first their first e-bike which they spent what five years developing that thing right i was i was really impressed when i heard that i thought i guess that is kind of what yeti wants to do they don't want to just come in too early with something that's kind of inferior and not well refined and the 160e was that it was well refined and well done uh we and a lot of people made videos on it and yeah it's a cool bike but they're they're selling well and it's something to consider if you're in the e-bike world and that would be i guess kind of the heavier longer yeah. range more power yeah. whatever we want whatever someone full power full, full size full, full size, size. oh yeah. full size half size oh, i like gosh. full size half size yeah i was right thinking now. i would like it if it came to uh boxing so if you had sort of heyweights <laughs> lightweights yeah. What is how does I don't even know how it I don't works. know lightweight lightweight heavy, I know there's heavy heavyweight and heavyweight is there something Mid- in between in boxing welterweight welterweight bantamweight oh well no it's welterweight I don't know. Max has used to make tubes called welterweights yeah. okay there you go well, well that's that's embarrassing we're yeah. clearly not boxing it's got Shimano EP8 motor sorry if we offended you if you're a boxer um, yeah Shimano EP8 motor uh, six hundred and thirty yeah, big motor, watt big battery, hour battery I think long travel so, yeah yeah it's mm-hmm. a serious range awesome on it. bike. Yeah, there is. So, something to look at if you're looking for a premium level high-end e-bike. Next up, Magura MT7 brakes. Mm. So, we made that YouTube video of, what was it called? Top products of all of 2021. Yes. Something like that. Best of 2021. Best of 2021. Best MTP components. 
something Wasn't like that. Wasn't that video an hour long? That was a long. It was a. It was a, a documentary. It was cinema. <laughs> it was that, was a, that was cinema. Yeah, yeah. that was the it longest was. YouTube video we've think, ever made. Think we can yeah. get next year's in IMAX. Oh, yeah. we should. Yeah, or maybe right. even perhaps. Oh, here we go. Oh, yes. Boxing. We have Jamie over here who just gave us the <laughs> DJ <laughs> boxing weight divisions: DJ. heavyweight, lightweight, middleweight, lightweight, heavyweight, welterweight, light welterweight, featherweight, super middleweight, flyweight. Well, okay, that's a lot. That's a little in the weeds, yeah. Yeah, we may we don't need that many for e bikes, but let's maybe pick the, the three. <laughs> Lightest, middle, and heaviest. Let's and take, yeah. Three or four. <laughs> those. Yeah. Let's just start with the top three and then go from there. It's kind of like travel ranges. Yeah. Travel ranges started out and then they got more complex. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. either way, the Maguras. The Maguras. Are oh, yeah. So great breaks. The 2021 top products. Maguras just kind of dominated the uh, mountain bike brake segment yeah. of Which that video. Could have been, you know supply related maybe it wasn't i don't know yeah yeah the 2021 top products were were interesting because yeah there wasn't perfect inventory on all of the products all year long right of course sort of had been in years past yeah Uh, but nonetheless it's it's not i still give that one to megura for ending up as some of the top most popular breaks in 2021 because they'd been trending for Four yeah. years. Oh, yeah. Four years prior to that, Maguro was every year it was just they were becoming more and more apparent in terms of popular breaks that people were reviewing and riding and buying. So uh yeah, just something to look at. I've I've been impressed with them. Aren't you riding Maguro breaks on that forestall? I am, yeah. It actually came with them and I was like, oh MT sevens in particular? Yeah. Oh nice. Came with MT sevens, uh this model did. And I was like, Oh, I'll try them. Tried to buy completely stock. <clears throat> and um yeah, I just want to try them because they are trending and some people really like them. And I had a set of code RSCs set aside. It's like I'll just throw those on when I'm over these MT7s, and the MT7s are still on there. So yeah, yeah, they do work good. They're yeah, legit. I really They're like. They're pretty them. similar to the codes. Yeah, they have a a little bit more bite off the top, mm-hmm. um, which once you get used to it, I actually really like. But they're not like so snappy as Shimano, um, and they're way more consistent than Shimano. So mm. yeah. Nice. Interesting. And they have cool levers. Just my You take. can yeah. swap out the levers. They have like yeah. look cool and unique. Yeah. yeah. And I don't even know how many aftermarket levers they offer. It's like oh, we're really? going back to the nineties with these swappable <laughs> levers, you know? <laughs> um and like all the pro racers have their own custom ones and stuff. Like yeah. Loic and Finn have like custom ones. So yeah. They're pretty cool. They're cool. Yeah. Yeah, that is. Well, the next product is the Maxis Asagai EXO plus tire. Popular. Yeah, it's the most popular Maxxis tire. Grippy. It's, yeah, it is grippy. I mean, that. I guess, could you say that's Maxxis's most grippiest tire? The most grippiest. Well, the most actually, grippiest? the uh, DH, or the downhill, or double down casing with the Max Grip compound would be the oh, grippiest. Oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah the EXO Plus is Max tire. But the right? guy just as a model, oh, yeah, is the sure. grippiest Yeah, for Maxxis. sure. Yes. Maxxis. The grippiest Maxxis. <laughs> that sounds like a Greek <laughs> god. The grippiest Maxxis. <laughs> That should be the next tire. Uh, the Maxis Asagai, spelled A-S-S-E-G-A-I. God, maybe yep. spit Co-developed out my with drink. A, uh, famed World Cup downhill racer Greg Menar. The GOAT. The GOAT. Yeah, they call him the GOAT, the greatest of all time for yep. people who don't know that. That's right. Um, but if you don't know what the GOAT means, then you yeah you better Probably know. don't watch sports. You, yeah, you yeah. probably should know. But yeah, Greg Menar is the GOAT. Yeah, that tire is grippy. 
Yeah. Yep. Another thing we made a video about on the YouTubes, and yeah, that thing is impressive. It's great. It's not the fastest rolling, not the lightest, but my God, is it grippy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think sticks like Velcro. It is oh, good. Yeah. And it. people love that, and people care clearly more about traction than weight and rolling resistance. Yeah, totally. Because they're not weight weenies. That's right. Like me. Like you. And then... Which brings us to our final product. Oh, to... least but not last. There you go. Least but not last. The famous least but not last. The Fox XL Mudguard for 36 and 38 forks. Mm. Mm-hmm. Which has acclaimed, what was it, 85% more coverage or something crazy? <laughs> <laughs> Over their other fender. <laughs> Over the other fender. They made an the XL version yeah. of the Mudguard that yeah. has more coverage. They like, um, they like one up to their current fender and said that one sucks because this one has more coverage. Yeah, but like, this is just a bigger fender. Yeah, it's this just is bigger more coverage. Mud guard rather which than the mud guard. I got the fender for my Fox 40, which is like probably the same as these, this XL one, and then I love it. I mean, it definitely has coverage. 85% more to be precise. Well, I don't even know claimed. if they make a small one for the 40. They don't. Yeah, so yeah. whatever. It looks cool. Yeah. And, it, yep. you know, especially if you have, live in a muddy area, it's awesome. Yeah, I've, yep. I'm surprised these are still so popular in the summertime. Yeah. Well, I don't know, because I shouldn't say that, because in the summertime out in the southwest, I was gonna it say, doesn't rain. In the east coast, it rains, right? Pretty much everyone Everywhere. in the country <laughs> other than the southwest, yeah. it still yeah. rains Washington's been getting dumped on, yeah. So. yeah, they still need XL mud guards. Gosh, your ignorance is showing. Um. <laughs> is your least but not last supposed to not make sense? Yes. Okay, just checking. Because Jeff likes that. Well, I thought it was funny because he mixed it up one time in a YouTube video and people it never stuck. forgot. We mixed it up on purpose. I don't know. I think you did that one by accident. You might have had uh, a little bit too much of that cup right there. Last who but not least. Least but knows? not last. Speaking of. The weird things. You know what? You want people to call out any little micro imperfections in how you say something. Have a YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah. How about that? that? That's why I'm not on How the about that? <laughs> I can't take it. It's not the for weirdest me. things that people want to just latch onto mm-hmm. and comment about. Speaking of videos, we can jump into our first listener question. Yeah. With Shark Week coming up, what's your favorite shark and why? I just have to say I love Shark Week. Shark Week is rad. I don't have normal TV, but I'm going to figure out a way to watch it. Yeah. Is that on National Geographic? Uh, Discovery Channel? It's Disney Plus now. I'm gonna why go. do we have to figure this out? Yeah. Either way. I think it's just. I just, think that's Disney Plus now. Just spilled beans. What's the favorite shark? I don't really know that many sharks other than the Great White or the Mako. I'm going hammerhead. Hammerhead? Oh, and then there's a sword. Is a swordfish a shark? <laughs> no. So, that's a fish. Um, <laughs> it's got to be a swordfish type shark. Uh, uh, I'm going to say I really like the thresher shark. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Because they have these huge tails and I've caught one before fishing. Wow. I don't know anything about fish sharks. You can say hammerhead. Just copy me. Those are cool. They are cool. No, I'm picking the great Their white. Their eyes are all like crazy. I'm picking the great white. Great white. I mean, the, it's in the name. It's great. Easily a favorite. Or the Mako, because isn't that what Free Willy was? Oh, I don't know. I know there's a surf camp called the Malibu Free Makos. Willy a whale? I thought Free Willy was a Mako shark. I thought Free Willy was a whale, too. Well, <laughs> this is an embarrassing question. <laughs> oh, man. We okay, should have done our research. A bunch of guys that don't know sharks yeah. about sharks. No, but I, the thresher sharks are cool because their tails are like as long as their body. Oh, wow. So, yeah. That's good you know that. You might be able to win one of those things on who wants to be a millionaire. <laughs> I just know it because I've, I've, caught, I've <laughs> caught one before fishing. You know, Jared, you could be Regis Fieldman. Remember that guy? Yeah, Regis is the man. He was good. He kind of what happened to that guy? He died. I could be. Uh, he did? Yes, he sh- died. Did he really? Oh, that's sad. 
He's a great guy. Yeah, Regis, Regis and Kelly. Show. I would love to be a game show host. My one of my my second or third grade teacher told me I'd be a game show host one day. <laughs> uh, oh man! Speaking, right, we gotta of, move uh, on to the next speaking question. Of favorites. What are the crew's favorite bikes currently? So I'm assuming they mean the crews as in all the various people at Worldwide. Uh, I mean, a lot of people right now ride Revel Rangers, including myself. Revel Ranger. Revel Ranger. Revel Ranger. Revel Ranger. Man, I I feel sometimes certain bikes trend. At one point, a lot of people had one th- SB130s from Yeti. Yeah. 130 mil travel, 29er. I've had one of those. Um, yep, me too. Yep. Uh huh, and then at some point, I feel I feel that Yeti SB one fifteens really trended hard for mm-hmm. a bit. Yep. Uh, rascals, rascals, Revel Rascals, Revel Rangers. I f- I think Rail two nines would have trended a lot harder if there was more available inventory, which hopefully there will be soon yeah. enough. Here. Yeah, moving yeah. forward soon. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question because right now it's it's kind of all over the place. You know what might be is the Deviant. Oh, yeah. yeah, popular. So, it's getting popular. What's the model name of the Deviant? The Highlander. The Highlander. There can right. only be one. Well, there's the Claymore. That's the the movie. There can only be one Highlander. Oh. I, <laughs> right over my head. <laughs> right over my head. <laughs> uh, that Deviant is trending a bit. People yeah. are stoked on that. Yep. It's, it's kind of funny because... Uh, a lot of the guys in the Pennsylvania store and guys and gals are riding shorter travel bikes. Mm-hmm. And... The Reno, Nevada store, they're riding longer travel bikes. Their territory kind of yep. demands that. Such as the Deviate and even the Transition. Spire. Spire. The Spire, yeah. yeah James's Spire. And then the West Coast store, the California store, it's Rangers and... We can't really make up our mind here. Yeah. Uh, we kind of have everything. Man, there's so much bike switching going on here. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, look at yeah. Jared, not me. Hey, you're oh, come on. As, you're just as badly. You are an inspiration. Fly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bike switching. Uh, well, my favorite bike for a long time has been the Rebel Ranger. Yeah. But yeah, currently, same. I'm really getting along with my new Mondraker Rays. Mm. Oh, you just got one of those, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and I love it, too. I, I also inspired <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, he did. <laughs> R-A-Z-E. Yeah, the Rays. R-A-Z-E. It's such a good bike. Um, yeah, 150 oh front, 130 Rad. rear. It's so good. Looks. Looks amazing. I don't know. I mean, looks are, uh, like, opinionated, but I think it's the best-looking bike on the market. It's amazing. They just make such good-looking bikes. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mondraker's designer. And there's, it like, the first time I hopped on it, I was just like, Wow. Yeah, you just it just felt natural. Like it's got great geo, it's a great weight. I mean, it was it's the same, if not lighter than my Ranger was. Well, interesting you say that because didn't you have another Mondraker that you kind of didn't get along with? Yeah, I had the F Podium, but that's because the shock tune was like super heavy on the compression, mm-hmm. and this yeah. is more travel. It was a one twenty one hundred bike, and this is one fifty one thirty. Yeah. Uh, you know, one thirty three one fifty up front. That shock and tune on that bike was it was the first like year of it, and all the reviews said it, and I felt it. You had to ride that bike at like full race pace, or it felt like you were just getting bounced around. Yeah, mm. it was a full XC race bike, like yeah. a World Cup yeah, race was. bike. It was. They later came out with like a down country model, which they lightened up the shock tune for for the one fifteen mil travel bike, and yeah. then the one hundred got the stiff tune. So they did adjust that, but. Yeah. But I loved the way 
Like I loved that bike. Just the only yeah. like that shock was what really yeah. turned me off on it. But this bike is like it doesn't have that whack tune, so it just feels really great. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Uh, I agree. But yeah, super capable and lightweight and pretty much all yeah. the good stuff for a trial. Pretty much built one up to have it as a shop demo, and I rode it. And I KOM'd a local trail on it, like first ride on stock parts. And I literally came back and took all the parts off of it, put my parts on it, and bought it. <laughs> so you're like, yep, that's mine now. That's mine. Need this. Yeah. Impulse. Yeah. It's great. And then I just saw Liam's and I was like, holy sh Nikes, I need that bike. <laughs> Good save. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. It's amazing. Well, yep. hopefully that answers a question to some extent. Maybe yeah. not. Who knows? Well, there you go. Next up is any new stuff from Trail One coming up soon. Uh, Trail One Components is a mountain bike component brand that we have an equity stake in, uh, along with BKXC and a seriously highly overqualified engineer. Well, we've been working pretty hard on a lot of the Trail One stuff. It takes a long time to develop things, at least at the quality, price point, and you know, kind of level that we're desiring. Uh, we did just release with Trail One two new stems, so a different price point, an $80 stem and a $50 stem, uh, the Viking and the Slick Rock, uh, which gives back to trail networks. Viking and Slick Rock are two quite well-known trail networks, uh, trails and trail networks that those stems will give back to. So yeah, now Trail One's got a pretty dialed-in cockpit lineup in terms of yep. grips, carbon bars, alloy bars, three different price points of varying stems that come at um, sort of different you know, aesthetics and weight ranges, uh, and also tie rotor bolts in gold or rainbow. Oh, yeah. Oil you slick. You gotta have oil slick. I yeah. think I gotta get those. Yeah. Yeah. Those are cool. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, it. yeah, just touch on the stems real quick. Both those 80 and $50 price point stems are fully CNC'd from 6061 alloy. Which yeah, is which pretty nobody does. Yeah. Yeah, so if that's your price point stem, I think we've completely destroyed the competition on yep. those ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is cool. I'm with a philanthropic that. aspect. Yeah. yeah, it does. So every single Trail One product uh, purchased, $1 goes towards uh, supporting trail networks around the world. And certain products are named after trails, like the Slick Rock or the Viking, and then certain products are not, and that goes into this, what we call the Trail One Treasury. Um, but yeah, so every single Trail One product supports trail building around the world, which is pretty pretty rad so um yeah that's been a really fun brand to continue to build and, and work on and you know new products coming out so we're stoked on that um definitely good fun so far mm -hmm. next up what's the bird costume for oh well i think this is yeah regarding well, add uh, context there yes to add context we posted a story asking for questions and jeff held up a bird costume which you know leaves us all wondering what's the costume for well why don't you tell us Oh, I don't really know. I thought you were going to answer. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I was not really know. I thought you were going like to answer. With a bird wheels giveaway, <laughs> yeah. but I don't even know what's happening. It is happening a bird wheels yeah. giveaway. So, so, yeah. Bird Different came type out, of bird. B-E-R-D. Yeah. B-E-R-D. Bird wheels, which we have also made a video on, have some really unique spokes uh, that they offer to the market, um, nicknamed like rope spokes. Essentially, they're a polyurethane. Yeah, we talked about them on the Spoke. last podcast. Yeah. Yep. Um, Check that one out. Yeah, they yeah. dropped some new wheels. And because of that, we're going to do a giveaway with those new wheels mm -hmm. soon. Um, so we have a bird costume to film some funny clips in. 
and it might or this it's a serious is, this is giveaway your, though because yeah. you get an yeah. entire set of two thousand dollar carbon rim wheels yeah. with bird spokes and nine yeah. nine hubs possibly so, like, if you listen light. to podcasts this is your heads up uh you will get closer to winning the wheels if you have a bird costume yes. and you do some riding clips, you must wear a helmet as well. Or if you have a lot of feathers and you make your own costume. That would be cool too. You probably get extra points for that. But this is your you know, your heads up that yeah. this is going to go down and mm-hmm. uh, you could potentially be ahead of the competition to wear those bird wheels before mm-hmm. it even gets posted. Wow. That's, yeah, pretty, so that's pretty good intel. All you listeners, you know. Go get some spectacular bird costume and bird ideas going. Yeah. <laughs> Kaka. Yeah. Bird noises will also increase your chances yes. of winning. And maybe a no-hander <laughs> with you flapping your wings. <laughs> but it's completely subjective because yeah. we're judging the contest. It's yes. And don't hurt yourself. Not please. a random winner. Random winner contest. Suck it. Yeah. Because this one is going to be judged. <laughs> speaking of winners... Here's an ad. (laughs) (laughs) And now, a word from our sponsors. Hello, Jeff here. I wanted to quickly ask you all for a favor. If you've been listening to the podcast for a bit, you know that we own the apparel brand Kettle Mountain. We have been working extremely hard to create premium level mountain bike apparel with a very clean and minimal aesthetic while still keeping features and fabrics as technical and practical as absolute possible. It would mean the world to us if you could check out the Kettle Mountain website. If you get there, feel free to snag 25% off your entire order with the code PODCAST25. That code will run through the end of August on the Kettle Mountain website, which is KETLMTN.com. Again, that code is P-O-D-C-A-S-T-2-5. Hop onto the Google machine and type in KETL. Thanks. Boom. How often do you clean your bike slash lube your chain? Do I really need to wash my bike each... each After each ride? After each ride. SoCal-based rider. Dusty. No. No. Yeah, no. Well, no to what? No to the Uh, wash, no. No to the wash. No to the wash wash after every ride. No, I'd actually recommend you don't do that. Yeah, it's actually kind of good to not do that. Because every time you wash your bike, well, pro tip, don't ever use high-pressure water on your bike at all because it blasts into the sealed bearings. So try and avoid that. And then you should, I mean, there's definitely some value to cleaning and washing your bike, but you don't want to overwash your bike. Yeah. I'd say a good microfiber on your suspension and your stanchions mm-hmm. and then uh, cleaning your – keeping your drive train properly lubed and clean. Yeah. It's also different for everyone. I was going to say, I mean, if your drive train is just getting like super gunked up, right? Like if your chain is visibly gunky or your pulley wheels, like yep. probably a good idea to just wash it at that point. Yeah, but yeah, to avoid say. that – Use a nice dry lube, wipe yeah. it down after, I don't know, depending on how long your rides are. It could be every ride if they're long, maybe like three to five if you're just cruising for an hour. But probably lube it after every ride. kind of depends before. on the miles, And it depends too. on what chain lube you're using. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. pretty much lube mine before every ride at this point. What chain lube do you use, Jared? The Muckoff Bio Dry Lube. Mm. I've come to really like that one. Mm. But you have to lube it every ride. I just do just because I like... Every I, I like 15 to. miles. Yeah, well, because it usually every gunk? couple hours. It does, actually does not build gunk, which I like. Um, but, yeah, I'll just lube it just because I can't stand it when my chain starts to make noise. Yeah. 
I'm not like Zach where I just wear my headphones on my bike starts to make noise. <laughs> bike making noise, wear your AirPods and turn the volume to maximum. <laughs> and yeah. then you run into hikers and other riders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But or not because they hear your yeah. horribly sounding bike coming. <laughs> and all your creaky pivots and everything. Yeah, that, that is a tough balance, right? Because when you're riding more dusty terrain, your bike needs sort of less washing per se you should always try and keep your stanchions on your you know suspension clean whether that's your fork or your shock you got to lube your chain how often that is kind of based on if you're riding in totally dry conditions or wet conditions and what lube you're using so uh, how often i guess you're riding situational if you're riding in mud i mean you're obviously not going to just ride your bike in mud because i guess some people probably do but you know ride your bike and then just leave it but i mean I guess it's just a good rule of thumb to not let stuff accumulate. And then if you do wash it, then just blow all the water out of the, yeah. you know, places where it could accumulate Yeah, with an air compressor or something like that. Yeah, that is that is a challenging question. I kind of realize why people ask that all the time because it is totally situational based yeah. on the lube you use and, yeah, those things I just previously mentioned. Yeah. So. Yep. But yeah, if you do, just keep it greased up. and. You know. I guess maybe rule of thumbs, right, or figure out how you can not get your bike to get to the point of where your drivetrain's squealing and squeaking and sounding dried out, mm-hmm. um, but also not totally gunked up. Yeah. Because um, I'll lube my chain, but I wipe it off. Yeah. You know, I'll wipe off the yeah, excess. Yeah. That's just part of the yeah. proper lubrication and process. Like clean my chain as I'm lubing it kind of, and then mm-hmm. maybe every couple of weeks, I guess, wash it and do a full degrease and redo it. I don't know. Yeah. If you're riding like three times a week. Yeah. Hopefully that... Yeah, hopefully that makes some sense. But yeah. yeah, I mean, you don't want to run things too dry and you don't want to run things all gunked up. And to sort of to accomplish both of those, you need to figure out are you riding in mud or dust and how many hours you're riding and what kind of lubricant are you using on your chain. Yeah. So, but be gentle with the bike. Keep the stanchions clean. Don't use a pressure washer. Don't blast your hose into the, your pivots. <laughs> uh, don't blast your hose into your hubs, things like that. So Yeah, or um, your cassette because they'll get in your hubs. Like yeah. yeah, and don't get any type of aerosol or lubricants anywhere near your brakes or you are toast. Yes. So little, little things that make literally. a big difference. Speaking of toast... Speaking of toast. Best bang for your buck fork. It's <laughs> not even says. close to toast. Toast, bread, money. Come on. We should have gone to the next <laughs> question. Just, just use deductive reasoning. Well, we, we have a video about the best forks under $500, and we just redid it. Yes. Uh, updated version for 2022. It's coming not, soon. Coming soon. Yes. Uh, coming soon to the YouTube.com near you <laughs> yes. in, uh, I don't know, a month or something. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean – that's a that's a tough question because best brain for your buck fork uh, is your is your buck seven hundred dollars or yeah. two hundred dollars. So I, I would look at our existing video. Rockshock does a fantastic job with kind of the best suspension forks under the three hundred and fifty dollar price point. I think they dominate that. I think once mm-hmm. you get closer to five hundred bucks, that Merzoki fork comes yeah. into play. Which yeah. Merzoki, which is now owned by Fox, so it's pretty much got all their technology in it. Um, they do a fantastic job there. Yep. So various Rockshock models. If you're kind of below three fifty, if you're between three fifty and five hundred, check out some Merzoki stuff. Nailed it. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts on that one, Liam? Uh, nope. Nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Now speaking of now toast. Now we're talking about toast and bread. What's the best kind of bread to make a grilled cheese with? And I'm just going to go ahead and say sourdough. That's my favorite. Now you make a face there. 
I don't know. Not a sourdough guy? You're not a grilled cheese guy. It doesn't sound like really healthy enough for you. I like grilled cheese. Oh. But Jeff is going to go only gourmet grilled cheese, mm-hmm. probably off of a food truck that costs $13. What about yeah, – you probably kinda, use like some kind of sort of like challah or something. Well, see, like, the thing like is, French is, is I can enjoy and respect artisan, high-quality, well-made food, but I don't really know anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I have the opposite of bikes. I haven't had cheese in about 15 years. So. Uh, well – you should try some of that new vegan cheese that's made out of nuts. I don't think he should. <laughs> I mean, he could, but I don't know if he'll be pleased with it. I Not only did cheese not agree with me, but I never really liked it, so I'm not even bummed that I don't eat it. Mm. So I actually I, made grilled cheese last night. Of course you did. With half pepper jack and half sharp cheddar with sourdough and uh, creamy tomato soup on the side. Wow. You know – yeah. You always talk about these nice dinners, and I was wondering that if uh, I move closer to you, which I might, yeah, can I have some dinners? Yeah, but but let's <laughs> just also say that Jeff and I currently live a hundred yards away, <laughs> yeah, on the other and, side of a fence, <laughs> and Jeff's gonna move a hundred feet away, yeah, from, from <laughs> on the other side of the fence, could be yeah. good. Uh, between could be apartment good. complexes, but uh, yeah, yeah. No. I mean, I wouldn't mind being invited over some for some Traeger meat too. Yeah, yeah. We can, just, just throwing it out there. Love a you should share all these nice meals you make with more people. All right, just your you know lady I'm, friend. I really appreciate that you think my uh, grilled cheese with tomato soup is a nice meal. But that sounds delicious. It was great. And you talk it up so well. Yeah. Well, speaking of cheese, why does my fork sound like mac and cheese when I compress it? <laughs> <laughs> That's a hilarious question. Why well, does it? Well, that that is a tough question. I mean. Oh, suspension has oil and air and stuff in it, so it makes some noise. But I, I don't know exactly what his fork sounds like, but the whole mac and cheese thing makes me think that there, there's an issue. Like there's a positive-negative air chamber or there's like, or like air the, leaking into the lowers. Or, uh, or the damper needs to be bled. The damper needs yeah, to be the, bled. The there could be something what's, what's totally – Mac and cheese is a pretty serious sound. Yeah. I'm just trying to like a, trying to imagine what it would sound know. like if I was trying to recreate that. stuffing my fingers in and out of mac and cheese. Uh that probably should. It, it sound. It sounds like there might there might be an issue with your sounds, damper should be looked at. Yeah, um, probably needs to be bled. Yeah, and like serviced, full service on that. So bad there's boy. some air in your oils. I mean, somewhere. We, that also kind of sounded like some of those forks. You know, I don't know that we were messing around with the other day, but yeah, I I mean, I guess the sound of mac and cheese. If it truly sounds like the mac and cheese squashing, then. There's definitely something going on that needs a rebuild. Yeah. Yeah. But if it sounds like oil is just, moving yeah. around seals, then that's probably pretty normal. Yeah. yeah that's normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without knowing you what or how thick your mac and cheese is, we can't really help you. <laughs> or how hard you're uh, – okay. Let's just move on. Let's just, let's just go ahead and go to the next question. Uh, what's up with kettle these days? Oh. So kettle, which I'm sure you've heard if you've listened – if you're a – Long-time listener, first-time caller. Long-time, first-time. Long-time, first-time. Yeah. Uh, it's a mountain bike apparel brand that we own, uh, but not just mountain bike apparel. We're making a lot of stuff that's, you know, we kind of really want the brand to have some pieces that work really well for mountain biking and some pieces that work extremely well for sort of just your general outdoor adventure travel apparel. And we continue to refine the product line and make stuff nicer and nicer and come out with new pieces. And it's going super well, and we're having a ton of fun with it. Um we definitely the the reason you know just for some context uh, you know we started worldwide eleven years ago man I was twenty one when I pulled the trigger on this whole project oh you're old 
I'm old, man. Jeez. And, uh, and, and, you know, as, as we've grown up and learned more about various things in the business world, we want to make sure we're a little bit diversified and, and have some, con, you know, more control over some of the things we sell, which is why we're, you know, we have an equity stake in Trail One and why we also, uh, you know, are, are pushing hard with Kettle these days, which we own outright. And, uh, yeah, that's been really fun. But check it out. Uh, actually, you know what? We're going to – wait, they already heard the Kettle oh, ad. According to our the notes, ad, they yeah. might have already heard the Kettle ad, so yeah. they know everything about it. So yeah, there's a lot of new stuff going on at Kettle in terms of products. So Very exciting. I would stay tuned. I think it's. I think we're making some stuff that our audience in terms of – our audience, which by the data points, just from a pure data data, data analysis You're standpoint here. data guy over here. Uh, literally is 97% male between the ages of 25 and 55. Wow, I mean that's pretty much sounds most, right. most mountain bikers out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but for that for that demographic, I think Kettle's making a lot of good stuff. So yeah. we're stoked on that. Uh, now, how are you gonna how are you gonna move from that to this next question, well, Jared? I mean, speaking of <laughs> switching from <laughs> topics, how about tips for making the switch from flats to clipless pedals? That was good. Oh, that was. You. I'll give it to you. That yeah. was good. I try. Uh, didn't we make a video on this? I, I feel like we, yeah, did we did ages ago. Um, it but was, it was mean, more of a flats versus clipless. But yeah. And then I think, man, I, I feel like in, it was either that video or one of those videos the, about clipless pedals. How to set up the Crank Brothers. Well, and not that ridiculous one. Detail. We, def- we definitely did an 18 minute video of how to set up Crank Brothers pedals in ridiculous detail, which yeah. I think is. I mean that that video it didn't it's not amazingly in terms of high views or anything but people have found that video extremely helpful. Yeah. Maybe we should redo that because man that video is ancient. I look totally. like an orange. Well, Something happened with the camera. You were the color orange. You just had a, like I a, was not orange. You solid vacation orange. or something before <laughs> that. You know. Um, I that put on that fake tan lotion. Yeah, he was oh, fake yeah, tanning. He was going to like tanning booths. It's an old it's an old video. Like but, one of them influencers. Like one of them influencers. But yeah, we we did have a video about and clipless. And in my opinion, I think a lot of things boil back down to what makes you feel most comfortable on the bike. So if you feel comfortable on the bike while you're out riding, you're going to have a better time and ride better and enjoy your experience and maximize your fun. And that's the whole point of riding. So that's kind of my opinion. Um, don't switch to clipless if you're currently riding flats and you feel super comfortable and vice versa. Um, but, not really a huge but they, they want He tips. wanted tips. But he Jeff. wants tips. Yeah. I'll give him uh, tips if you're not giving him. He tips. just basically told him not to switch, and he's yeah, asking yeah. for tips. I say ride easy trails and just practice clipping in and clipping out, and make sure yeah, that's good. Those are good. Tips. Make sure your cleats are perfectly set up in your shoes. Actually, watch that Crank Brothers video. Yeah, if you're set up your Brothers, cleats yeah. properly, and then that's huge because if a lot of people do go from flats to yeah. clips and they don't set up the cleats properly and yeah. then they're like i cannot get out of these these is terrible yeah. and your probably foot will feel weird in terms of its placement on your yep. pedal um and also just don't go ride a super gnarly trail and like be like oh yeah i'm about to just go for my regular ride or whatever like go ride something that you would probably never ride or something way easier than you normally ride just to practice clipping in and clipping out right yeah yeah and that is a good point depending on pedal model yeah uh some pedals you can adjust the tension how easy it is to clip in and clip out mm-hmm and setting it loose to learn is highly recommended. Yeah. Or so. like Crank Brothers, you can get the easy release yeah. versus the regular release. Um, but yeah, I mean, make sure your cleats are tight because if they're loose, yep. then like you could get your oh, foot yeah, stuck in the pedal, issue. which has happened, and you could fall over and you'll be like, I'm never doing this again. So I always, so tips. I remember when I first did it years ago when I was a teenager, I, I just, 
put the pedals on, try to dial in my, you know, actually thoroughly read the directions of the Crank Brothers pedals and You're shoes. A big direction and reader. Wow, that's impressive. You. I'm a very, I'm a big direction reader. Yeah. Wow. I just think that there's so much, like everything you buy, right? Whether it's Crank Brothers pedals or a laptop or a phone, if you really dig into the manuals and read every word, you will know and learn so much more about that product. And there's a lot of thoughtful things put into all the products around us that we use that we're not truly educating ourselves on. So that's why I do read Like your car. Like your car, yeah. Owner's manual. That's true. A lot of good yeah. information there. There is. I've been meaning to thoroughly read mine. I only go to the sections I need, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> one day. But I, I did read that that Crank Brothers pedal directions, you know, word for word, and, and dialed that in. And then I just lean the bike up against the wall and practice clipping yeah. in, clipping out. I think one of the weirdest things is that you realize there's certain spots within that, uh, you know, pedal stroke there it's easier to clip in and clip out based mm-hmm. on right foot or left foot. So you got to learn those, figure out, figure that stuff out and then, and be patient over yeah. time. You learn how to clip out, which with the right foot and your left foot based on different scenarios and what's happening. And so you just have to have some patience with it if you really want to move over to clipless pedals. So I guess going back to my, whatever you feel comfortable with, you will feel uncomfortable with clipless pedals for a while, no matter what. But yeah. if you're serious about it and you want to move over, then deal with being uncomfortable. Limit it by setting up your pedals and cleats properly and practicing on, you know, with the bike against the wall, riding easy trails, like mm-hmm. you said, um, and you'll get there. Yeah. So a little bit of patience yeah. and education on the product goes a long way when it comes to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say one more also, like preemptively unclip when you're coming to a stop yeah. don't don't wait until you come to a stop to go and unclip because like you might hesitate or fall over and again you'll be like screw this you know yep. bad experience forget it but yeah clip out like as you're coming to a stop that's a great tip yep on the flip tip. side i feel equally uncomfortable when i ride flats on technical mountain bike terrain yeah yeah well once you get used to riding yeah. clipless pedals for years and years, then you're going to feel really uncomfortable running flats. Yeah. So. Which like I was in Mammoth, I switched back to flats for the first time in a long time. And it first, my, my first round, I was like, wow, my feet are bouncing around. This is, this is crazy. But then I didn't even think about it. Like the one thing is your foot moves around sometimes, which yeah. is like the one thing for me, which I don't like, but you know, if you're, if you get your feet in the right place, then like you're used to it and then it feels good. Cause I actually do like, you know, the interface on a flat pedal. Mm-hmm. Like you feel like you can, get like you can pump into the bike a little more for me yeah well flat pedals you tend to lean like your your toes point up a little more i guess Mm -hmm. you kind of lean more into your heels whereas if you're clipped in you kind of do the opposite of that you kind of lean a little more into your toes Mm -hmm. depending on what you're doing and then you kind of develop a form with where your feet are depending on what you ride the most often that's true yeah i just felt a little more confident i guess like after getting used to it and you know less hesitation like coming up to a feature or like a drop or a sketchy turn you know just like knowing that you can just jump off or whatever yep. it you know definitely but yeah there you go there some you good, go some good tips some good tips yeah and now a quick ad of trail one stuff before mm. we jump into the last couple questions oh and then say goodbye oh here we go Woo. and now a word from our sponsors Hello, mountain bikers. Jeff again. Something I personally believe in is that businesses should be operating in a way that supports the industry they're in and generally doing good for the world in their own unique way. This was largely the idea behind Trail One Components. Trail One was an idea that spawned years ago to build a brand that creates top-shelf mountain bike components while simultaneously giving back to trail networks. Worldwide Cyclery has a stake in Trail One alongside Brian Kennedy, a.k.a. BKXC, as well as one high 
highly overqualified engineer. We have made some components so far that we are extremely proud of and that nail down exactly what we have always wanted ourselves on our own bikes. We would be forever grateful if you checked out Trail One Components to scope out what we have to offer. As a thanks, use the code PODCAST25 to snag 25% off your entire order at checkout. You can shop Trail One on the WC site or at trailone.bike. Again, that code is P-O-D-C-A-S-T-2-5, and it will run through the end of August. Thank you, and good night. And now, back to the show. All right, Jared, read us the last question. All right. Well, this is a crazy world, but if you lived in a world where mountain bikes either didn't have suspension or didn't have drivetrains, which one would you choose? And I interpreted this as it would be a single speed. But Jeff thought this would be a world where you had no chain or anything. Yeah, I mean, didn't have drivetrains. A single speed is still a drivetrain. I guess so. And full suspension bikes can't really even be single speed. Oh, gosh. I mean, sort of, but not really. Does that mean I could still have a gravel bike with a drivetrain? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, that's the thing. You, You either don't have suspension... Or you didn't have, so you could have. I could have a, a gravel bike. You could have a, a so basically rigid have bike Jeff's with a drivetrain. gravel bike, or a down and and. What if I had a gravel bike with a drivetrain and a downhill bike with no drivetrain? It says or. Not well, and. that's what I'm saying. This world where your mountain bike. I mean, is gravel bike mountain bike? I don't know. This is this gets pretty technical. I mean, mm-hmm. personally, I'm gonna go no drivetrain because then I could just go ride Whistler and ride all day. On my well, that's bike. crazy though, because then on the daily. What do you what are you gonna do for your daily mountain bike ride? What do you, what do, you do from your bike up a hill and then what do you do from town? November to uh, May? But, you just know. sit around and get fat. But then I'd have Jeff's salsa cutthroat. No, 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 you can't have either though. <laughs> well, no, on the daily, I would live in this other world. These worlds Jared, suck. Jared, Jared clearly wants his cake and to eat it too. I just yeah, I want my cake. We all, and I we it all too. do. We're mountain bikers. I know, but okay, I would move to Whistler and I would have a downhill bike and then I would. Ride that in the summer, and I'd ski, ski in the winter. snowboard all winter. Yeah, well, that's what I, I would do. I would, I would choose no drivetrains because after riding, no, my... you choosing a suspension. You said well, yeah, it's the same thing. No. no, oh son of a, you'd, you'd have you'd have no suspension. I'm not confused. I would choose my. I would choose the bike I already have. Yeah, my after riding that salsa cutthroat, which is. They what do they call it? Like a drop bar mountain bike was made for that Continental Divide race, that big yeah, bike packing it's, it's race. Yeah, like it's like a bike pack racing bike. It's essentially a rigid mountain bike. Uh, they spec it with drop bars. Salsa does. I put flat bars and a dropper post on it. So it's a rigid mountain bike with flat bars and a dropper post. And 42 40, 700 by 42 C tires. 45. And 45. it's incredibly light. And super fast and really fun. And I can do these huge long rides on it and still ride pretty decently gnarly, you know, single track on it that you'd ride a normal mountain bike on. And I just think that that bike is really enjoyable and fun to ride. And I would rather, I just think that that I could ride so many more days in so much different terrain that it'd be worth it. I could could give up my suspension. Wow. And just ride that. If I had to, I mean, I don't want to. (laughs) I would like to have a whole bunch of bikes that did all different things, different suspension ranges. Yeah, anyways, but that's yeah. what I, if I had I to, I would I would probably stick with that bike. Liam? Um, well, I also interpreted this question at first as having single speed. And at first, I was like, oh, I'll, duh, I'll run single speed full suspension all day long and Same. just, you know, 
soft rope climbs. But then yeah. Jeff said, no, it means no chain at all. Because yeah, it didn't say didn't have gears. It says yeah. didn't have drivetrain. So yeah. if, if we're talking like um, I basically have a full suspension scooter or a rigid mountain bike, <laughs> um, yeah. I'm going to go rigid mountain bike because, yeah, I, I pretty much ride a rigid mountain bike as my gravel bike all the time. And I ride stupid stuff on it already. And no one's forcing me to do that. So yeah, I would go that mm-hmm. route. All right. Well, there you have it. But man, a chainless downhill bike at Whistler sure is fun. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah. yeah. I did I did break a derailleur at Whistler one day and I did like three or four A line laps, no chain. Yeah, a lot of people do that. And it was it's awesome. I'm pretty sure the locals have chainless races down A line. Yeah. I think that's a thing. Well wow. I, I remember meeting a local there, uh saw some dude who worked at a pizza shop there and he broke his derailleur weeks and weeks prior before meeting him and he's like yeah i don't have any money for a new drivetrain so i'm just riding chainless and i rode <laughs> yeah. with him the whole day yeah just like befriended him on the chairlift and yeah. i was also riding solo and we just rode all these trails and he just literally like you said a scooter yeah. he would just kind of pedal push push his bike into the trail and then he would just shred <laughs> that's well, amazing and um, like mo- and you like can pull it off there fine a-line dirt merchant um a lot so of the other well trails you, you don't, don't have to pedal yeah you literally do not have to pedal yeah uh, a-line i actually was trying to not pedal well i couldn't pedal i didn't have a chain and also not brake and pretty much until the a-line tech section there's like two corners you have to like scrub a little brake on and that's it you can ride that whole trail almost chainless brakeless they know how to build them insane yeah so geez yeah whistler's world class with how they build their trails and if there was ever a place to have a chainless bike it would be whistler yeah hands down for sure yeah of all places to recommend you know what's the best part about this we can have bikes with drive chains and really awesome suspension. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we don't live in this world. Gracias, Jesus. <laughs> I love this world. Oh. Well, if you've made it this far into the podcast, we genuinely thank you and love you. And uh, yeah, we appreciate you listening and enjoying all of this uh, worldwide cyclery content. You must really like mountain bikes and learning about them. Mm. And uh, hopefully you think we're as funny as our moms think we are. And we think we are. And we, <laughs> and we think we are. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, I don't really know what else to say. Well, thank you and good night. Good night and good luck. What's that from? Thank you and good night. It's like a newscaster thing. Isn't Sounds it? like a thank you and good night. Good night, San Diego. Jim, some Jim Carrey. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, I like that one. Thank you and good night, San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> Love ya.